Australian True Crime, the nation's leading independent true crime podcast, is hitting the road with our live show. We're coming to Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane this July and tickets will be available starting May 10th at 9.30am sharp. They sold out in two hours last time, so do not dilly-dally. We know the suburbs of Australia are teeming with some of the most intriguing and chilling true crime stories the world has ever heard. Don't miss the chance to dive deeper and get involved with a live Q&A. With over a million and a half downloads monthly, these tickets will sell out. So keep an eye on our social media pages and check the podcast bio for direct links to purchase yours as soon as they're released on Friday, May 10. I can't wait to see you there. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The producers of this podcast recognize the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. The following podcast contains accounts of child sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. It's horrific. They enjoy the suffering. They enjoy the um, the trauma. It goes into that kind of like really, really super dark territory. It's not just, you know, like, oh, seeing what my little quirks are. It's really a, a deep dive into the darkness of, of humanity. And there's a lot of people, I think, who are into this material for that reason. Thank you. 
Protecting children from online sexual abuse would have to be one of the most important, gruelling and disturbing jobs ever. I can't even begin to understand what it could be like. But we can get an insight into this world thanks to a compelling and confronting documentary and accompanying podcast called The Children in the Pictures. It's the true scope of online child sexual abuse and the urgency we all face in stopping it. That's right. It's not just up to specialist policing squads to fight this. There's things we can do, especially parents, to safeguard and educate kids about staying safe online. Father of two, filmmaker and director of the children in the pictures, Akeem Dev, joins us for this episode. Akeem's known as Dev to all his friends, and Dev was granted unprecedented access to Task Force Argos. Task Force Argos is a Queensland police team who are world leaders in rescuing children from online sexual abuse and catching the perpetrators, like Shannon McCool, a South Australian child protection worker revealed to be a child sex offender and the administrator of a pedophile chat board with 45,000 members. This intense and relentless job, and also the vicarious trauma, is real for the officers who do this work, and also Dev. But their goal is saving children, and Task Force Argos has rescued thousands of children from their abusers. I think I'm pretty tech-savvy and know what my teenagers are doing online, but I have to say, this conversation gave Michelle and I a jolt, and there's some excellent resources to learn more about keeping kids as safe as you can on technology. We'll share them in the show notes for this episode. Now, here's Akeem Dev to tell us more. I guess my mission and my continued mission is to bring awareness to the work that Argos does um, and their international counterparts. They don't work alone. They work with international groups that are just as committed as Argos, but um, Argos are real trailblazers in in what they do. Yeah, I think most of us, unfortunately, are sort of at least vaguely aware, or probably not even vaguely anymore, I think we're aware of the, the crime, the, the concept of the dark web of child exploitation material being rife, being rampant. But the fact that we in Australia, in out of Brisbane, have a task force of specialists who are part of the international fighting force who oftentimes bring down these huge networks. I think mo- most people don't know that. Look, I think it, it all starts with leadership. John uh, Rouse and Paul Griffiths, who w- was an ex-Manchester cop who wanted to come and work at Argos um, after, after working with John on a few cases, you know, not only are they leaders in the field um, of what they do, but they're also leaders at an international level. They represent the globe at Interpol on specialist committees. And really their, their career and their history, um, their career trajectory, sorry, is the history of the internet. You know, they all started off at dial-up modem and have gone to mobile technology. So they've been able to keep up or try as best to keep up with current trends. I love the way they look at that material and they are looking at light fittings, electrical fixtures. Yeah. They're looking at it. They're examining Carpets the background yeah, to see what country is this? What place is this? They're looking to find that room 
find that building and yeah. find that child. Exactly. They found Brilliant. they found kids through birdsong in the background. Yes, that's know? amazing. Yeah. Bird songs like trains, um, that's sound, so important. music yeah. on the radio. Yeah, exactly. To it yeah. is amazing. How did Brisbane become the epicentre? Mm. How did Brisbane become the centre of Task Force Argos? We're so used in Australia to these things happening in Sydney or, or, or maybe Melbourne. Melbourne. And especially with Queensland and its um, checkered history of, of policing, <laughs> to be honest. You yeah. Know? yeah, it's it, it, it's the staff. John Rouse and the people that John got together, um, you know, John... <laughs> John's a music nerd. <laughs> he he played the keyboards at you know in a high school band, so kind of like learned about computers, building um, synthesizers and um, MySpace pages for his band. He's a genuine internet native. And Paul, meanwhile in Manchester, Paul Griffiths gets uh, chucked a floppy disk, and because he had a bit of experience with computers, one of his bosses was like, you know. Do something with that. Get on the internet, would you? <laughs> learn, learn about internet. So Paul did. Mm. So, yeah, while they're pursuing their police careers, they started to become technologically sound as well. It grew so quickly, so exponentially, and it was only that recently that people didn't, or a lot of people didn't understand the internet's, you know, possibilities, did they? And certainly not its criminal possibilities. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, and I think the the supporting technology that arose at the, around the same time, you know, the internet and digital cameras. Because if you think about it, back in the day, if um, you were making any type of material, you'd have to take your film to get it developed, right? The, the ubiquitous nature of the technology is absolutely pivotal to um, the epidemic that we're facing at the moment. I think a lot of times you'd have cases coming to the forefront where you'd be learning about it through, you know, the Catholic Church being involved or, you know, basically institutions or and, and the like and the such. And But, you know, general kind of crimes against children would go unreported. Mm. But now with this, now with the internet, just um, the amount of people that could exchange material with each other I mean, the internet does what it says on the packet, you know, it brings people together. Yeah. Unfortunately, it brings the wrong people together too. And would you say, look, the population's bigger, there's obviously more access to material, but, you know, we know that child abuse and sexual exploitation's happened forever, but is there definitely a bigger problem with it now, like more children being abused and exploited and... What's the landscape for it? It's just, is it we're seeing it more or what? what's the situation? This is the point where I think most people, it get, it just gets too big and people just, they're, they're, there's something innate about our brains where we just kind of like go, Zzz. it's like, you know, when we say, oh, then, you know, the nearest, the nearest star is 7,000 light years away or something and we go, light year? What? We have to, you know, accept the fact that with this online material, if you're seeing the incredible volumes and you know that each is a child, you know, each, each, each bit of material is a child. This is only the stuff that's filmed. There's so much more that isn't recorded. The general statistic is it, it's going to happen to, I mean, if we're talking purely about the online world, if you've got a child who's 13, there's a one in three chance that that child is going to be approached by somebody that they don't know online. Now, whether that's a predator or just a, a stranger or whatever, but the fact is, you know, you're introducing them to somebody that they have no idea who they are. But when it comes to, like, proper statistics around sexual abuse, 
The global statistic is one in three girls and one in five to seven boys will encounter some form of sexual exploitation by the time they're 18. There is a thing, isn't there, of getting kids to create the material, as in grooming children online and pushing them, putting them in a position where they are then sending the material themselves, creating the material in their own bedroom, whatever, in their own space. And for whatever reason, they're threatened or they feel for whatever reason that they have to keep sending more and more graphic material to a person. And that's a marketplace, isn't it? That's the, the, yeah, that's pretty much the modality that's kind of like the modality of offending that's um, the vast majority of the material at the moment. Also, we've got to understand the learning capabilities of children and the way children absorb information. It's fascinating at one stage and it's horrifying at the other. Like when you see a four-year-old live streaming a twerking dance on YouTube, I don't freak out now about the fact that the kid knows how to twerk because they see Nicki Minaj videos or whatever. I still boggle about how the hell did this little four-year-old understand how to live stream? It's so intuitive and also one of the things that I've learned from being involved in this is that there's so much to it. It's more than just the crime type. We're really dealing with a lot of stuff that just is about us navigating this new digital age. My personal belief is that we are creating a a set of victims that are more uh, susceptible to being abused because they're being sexualized so early that, you know, it's... And you hear it from the abusers. It's like shooting fish in a barrel, they say. You know, there's kids out there that just want to exhibit exhibitionist behaviour because it's what they've seen. It's what they've seen on TV. They're normalised. You go on TikTok and you see what we now call... MM accounts, mummy managed accounts, and you'll see a mum going, come on, guys, let's get up to 100,000 on their um, their live streams while their kid's dancing in the background. There's, you know, a, a mum who, you know, loves dressing a little kid up as a, you know, like those, like, beauty pageant, combs her hair and washes her hair on TikTok, and there's, you know, like, 200,000 people have watched that video. They're not watching it for the right reason. There is a proportion of men out there that have a sexual desire and interest in children, and it is primarily men. We're starting to see more women in the landscape and a lot more research is being done on that as well about, um, you know, women participating in child abuse. I think we have to kind of like just basically accept that this is a global phenomenon now because we're seeing where internet towers get built around the world within a couple of months of a broadband network being created. Uh, within a couple of months, you'll see children from those areas on child abuse networks. But we not also know that statistically most of those, we know most men who certainly participate in child sexual assault are not pedophiles clinically. We know that. Yes. These are crimes of opportunity. Yes. We, we have to do more research into who are these people. There are, I mean, I mean, I'm so glad that you'd know the difference between, you know, what is, you know, like psychologically defined as a pedophile and then those people who are opportunistic abusers or... Um, and so I wonder if the exhibitionism of it, you know, I, I'm th- I think about sort of various personality disorders and I wonder if there's actually just, you know, a correlation between the 
exhibitionism of it, the wrongness of it, the extremity of it. I'm thinking of, remind me, who was that young man who was arrested in Australia? Argos was involved and he ended up being a a huge kingpin. Lux. Lux. And I've always felt like he just seemed to be, just seemed to be a massive ego kind of thing for this guy. Don't you think? Yeah, it was. He plugged into a, he plugged into a niche community. The ones that like to cause children distress and pain and torture. That little um, subsection of abusers, they, it's called hurt core. So yeah, he just saw his opportunity of being, you know, I'm going to be that guy. I think you're right going back to that other point of those weird kind of uh, sexual aberrations that, that, that people develop. I mean, I know uh, there's definitely been an intersection between people who are into uh, sadism and child abuse as well. There is a, a line of defence that, you know, is run, I think maybe increasingly, but certainly it pops up where people will say, I have all of these images on my computer of child exploitation because I was just curious. I went onto the dark web. I'm not really interested in child exploitation or in children sexually. I was just curious. Is that Pete Townsend's defence? It's a lot of people's defence. Yeah, it's... What do you think about that? A lot of people, I I have a lot of very robust discussions with forensic psychiatrists on this issue. The general consensus is if you've got five images on your computer, yeah, maybe you're just having a little bit of a, you're a bit of a tourist and having a bit of a a peak. If you've got, you know, over a million, you're into it. Do you think it's possible that people can go there out of curiosity and then develop? I think what uh, I, another another theory is that you have an innate sexual desire against children that just hasn't been activated until you expose to the material, and then you're like, "Holy shit, this is my thing," you know. That could be another thing, but I honestly think that there are people who do go there and find an attraction to children because. They know it's wrong. And when they write about it on the boards and they talk about their sexual desires with um, children, it's horrific. They enjoy the suffering. They enjoy the um, the trauma of the kids. They don't care. They're, it goes into that kind of like really, really super dark territory. It's not just, you know, like, oh, you know, seeing what my little quirks are. It's, it's really a, a deep dive into the darkness of, of humanity and there's a lot of people I think who are into this material for that reason. When do you think, can you pinpoint when policing caught up with the internet though? Because I think when offenders were, they seemed to get out of the gate pretty quick in terms of figuring out ways to share material online and it seemed as though policing was was really running to catch up because that's the nature again of technology is people can sort of think it up and invent it and then you have to run up and catch it. To answer your question, really, when did police catch up? They haven't. The offender is three steps, ten steps ahead. And the real unfortunate thing is, like, with the evolution of technology, the greatest threat facing our children at the the moment is mobile phones, miniature computers that are basically, you know, have internet connectivity. It's, you know, I can use all the pithy analogies that you want. It's like having the back door open of your house. It's inviting the villain inside, et cetera, et cetera. But um, one thing that we don't understand is we don't understand what our kids do. So 
<laughs> let alone the cops trying to keep up with the bad guys, where we as parents and society are trying to keep up with an ever-evolving landscape, but the bad guys are right on it. They know the language, the lingo, the platforms. They know how to infiltrate those platforms, how to um, perpetrate levels of abuse on any type of social media platform out there. I think where we've really caught up is that we're just becoming aware of the problem and the scale. So we know what to do, and now it's the thing of implementing it. Like you said, getting more police trained. Or it may not even be police. It might be outside agencies that can work with police. That's another kind of like big turning point where we're getting NGOs who are wading into this fight as well. So they're helping. I mean, the NGO response is vital to law enforcement. Police can't pick up the phones, right? There's just too many reports coming through. So you need focused NGO support to triage cases and make sure the police get the priority kind of cases and also technology companies and police working into it. So it's kind of like this three-pronged response that's going on or a three-member team and the missing person of the team is you and me, you know. We've got to all step mm-hmm. up because it's not a law enforcement issue anymore. It's a societal problem. Mm-hmm. It's gotten to that stage. So we need a whole society response. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What what should we be doing? I have 13-year-old twins. Emily has teenage daughters. 
I'm definitely not a helicopter parent by any stretch. I'm a single parent as well. So, and I've good kids, you know, we're all going to say this, I have good kids. I trust them, which I do. But also I'm aware that there's a whole lot of this um, hiding, you know, keeping the screen to themselves these days and they don't want me to see what they're doing. And But isn't it, fu- isn't it funny? We've got to use words like trust. And I believe, I have faith that my kids are doing the right thing. It's because we don't actually know. Yeah, and I don't think they know either. Like I'm aware that I think they're not going to deliberately, you know, get involved with a predator, but I don't think that the whole system is designed for them not to know when they're doing something I don't want them to do. That's the point. Oh, look, right? you know, I hid my I hid my ciggies pretty well from my parents. Like we, yes, <laughs> we all had teenagers are teenagers. We all experience, you know, we all go through these moments of pushing the boundaries and learning about ourselves and experience risk-taking behaviours, et cetera, et cetera. Unfortunately, what the internet does is that it reduces those points of entry. So really, when you're talking about teenagers, what am I going to do about my teenagers? See you later. They're gone. You think they are digital citizens. They it's going to be really hard to change their behaviours. You can monitor them. Mm. You need to monitor them. And mm. like I said, you know, like we we, we go. Oh, I believe my kids are good kids, or I trust them, but we don't actually know. So I think being a part of your kids' digital life, as well as their you know real life, is is important. But where this really needs to start is under ten. You know, I would, I would say, yeah, oh I would say, God, yeah. I would say preschool. I really would. Let's go. Let, let's go back to when we were kids, and you know, I'm assuming like we're all kind of like around the seventies, eighties vintage. Mm-hmm. When did we? When did? When did our folks know not to belt your kid when that's when they're being naughty? When when it actually became an issue and a problem, yes. and people started talking about it, and people started writing books about it. This is the stage that we're at. You know, like. <laughs> One thing I'll say about the Argos guys and the global community that they're in, it's not just about catching the bad guy. It's actually about finding the kids. And when you want to find the children, when you're victim-centric, you would much rather that there was no material to look at. So that's what are we, what are we doing about preventing? So really, these guys are on the clock 24-7. We're all thinking about ideas. We're talking to child psychologists. And I say we because I'm not stopping either. You know, it doesn't end with the children in the pictures for me. I'm, I'm going on and I'll stop when I'm not needed anymore. And that doesn't look like any time soon. So we're actually looking at this issue about um, how do we write instruction manu- manuals for our parents. There's stuff out there. There's really good resources, especially in Australia. We've got the Australian Centre for Counter-Child Exploitation. We've got the eSafety Commission. But once again, in a busy digital age, it's like, you know, do I want to find out about the Kardashians or do I want to jump on the eSafety website? I think the conversation as well as digital, I think it's got to be all around everything. Like I've got a 16-year-old, she's got a boyfriend. We talk a lot about stuff. I think it's about also being open about issues like your health, about things that are normal and not. And especially with porn, Michelle and I have learned so much. I openly say to my daughter, because the boy, you know, her friends who are boys, they watch porn. They say porn. I said, I just need you to know that this, this and this is not 
an entry level expectation of having sex. Of like sex. I'm just open. Like, I always say I've got this yeah. saying, Dev. I always say, you know, there's the zoo and then there's Jurassic Park, Park. and there, you <laughs> and know. so there, there's sex and there's porn. Like yeah. they're different. Look, when like, I porn when, isn't yeah, when I had the sex. when I had the yeah. when I had the talk with my, I mean, my daughter, my eldest daughter's twenty. I'm, I'm blessed because I've got a twenty three year old and I've got a seven year old, so I've got a really good. Oh wow! I got a great, spectrum. I got a great little telescope into the into this little yeah. world. But when my 23-year-old was, you know, 16 and um, we've got a, an amazing relationship and, um, you know, she could, uh, I, I sort of said to her, you know, even from the age of six, ask me anything that you want. The answer that I give you will be age appropriate. But then when she got to 16, mm, she was yes. kind of like, hey, uh, just want to know, um, Dad, um, what's all this interest about the bum stuff? <laughs> no. I'm like, yes. yeah. I'm like, all right, yeah, okay, here we go. Let's go. Let's talk about it. And it's like, yep. look, man, you know, it's porn. It's Kids are pornified. The average exposure to porn in Australia is six. So, you know, we need to start having these talks early on. We need to start talking about the difference between fantasy and reality. Porn is not sex education. Unfortunately, a lot of kids no, are getting no. their sex education. One of the big things about making this podcast and trying to get the message out there, listener were adamant that that was part of the mission. It wasn't just to create an incredible, gripping true crime story, uh, which I think it is at its heart, but it's um, it, it, it had its purpose and listener have been absolutely amazing in trying to get that message out there and you know, let people know that um, there's resources available. Parents often say, well, you know, I don't have the instruction manual. Well, they're out, they're out there. We've just got to point people in the right direction. You've got to ask yourself also, like, what sort of example do we set with our kids? Kids learn the same behaviours from their parents. So we're saying, look, a part of that learning experience is like, why don't you have community hubs like Build Hardware where this is the this is the docking station of all our digital products in the family. Mm. We connect it all at night. This is where they stay at night. Why would you let your children, why would you let your children take their phones into their bedrooms? Are you out of your mind? I won't. And then people go, I, I, you know, <laughs> they're saying things to me like, you know, oh, my, you know, my kid won't let me look at their phone. It's like, well, mate, it's your phone. You bought it for them. The kids mm. didn't. I pay for it. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that's the attitude yeah. you've got to have. And I think, you know, like it, it, it's so easy to throw stones at the government, corporations, the ineffectiveness of the, the law response or whatever. If you want to make these changes, they've got to start with us. They've got to start at home. So if you're too scared to take your phone off your kid, then I'm sorry, you're probably too scared to, you know, confront a computer. I mean, you've got to make that choice. Are you scared to confront a predator attacking your child? No, you're not. You'd go at him mm. tooth and nail, mm. right? But you're too scared to take your own phone off your 14-year-old? <laughs> Why? And the irony is if you take that phone away, if, if even if you say it's a punitive measure, at least you know they're safe. They're going to sleep. You teach your kids about consequences and their own behaviour. You're actually, you know, it, it's actually proactive. Yeah parenting. But also, Dev, you know, we know that such a huge part of the problem is that we as parents don't know what it's like to be a child with a device. Like we're trying to parent them through an experience we have not experienced. And I, I talk to my kids about that a lot. It's like, 
that's hard and weird and I don't have memories to reflect on. I can reflect back on what it's like to go to a birthday party and eat too much cake or go to school and have my friends run away from me at lunchtime. But this, so much of it, I, I can't relate to it. And so I'm like, I don't know what's reasonable and what's not. I don't know what's the right age to give them privacy with a phone or even to give them a phone. Like, we haven't lived through this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, these are issues of the modern world. We don't have the answers. We've only just started asking ourselves the questions. So this is what I'm saying. Like a part of making this documentary is we have to start the conversation. We have to start having these talks, you know. The, the One of the reasons why I want to be on this podcast is not just to spruik the show but say, look, you know, this. The, the, when the, the documentary and the podcast finish, when that episode, the last episode, you listen to the last episode, I want that to be your, your jumping off point where you now start to go, okay, this is what I need to do. And, look, yeah, if you have teenage kids, it's about kind of going to them and saying, look, now I do know what you're going through. And if you've got pre-teenage kids, it's like I need to show you the way. And you ask any of the cops in the, you ask any anyone who's, you know, works in this field, if they could be out of a job, they would be. If we could save a child from being abused rather than rescue them after the fact, that's what we're, that's what we're aiming for. So it's about prevention and that's where we step in, us as parents, us as society, you know. What do we do to, you know, lobby our companies and our social media companies and make sure that they're safe platforms for our kids? Facebook last year released 19 million internal reports, internal reports of their platform being used to either groom children or exchange material. And now they're going end-to-end encrypted across all their platforms. So that's Facebook, Facebook Messenger, Instagram and WhatsApp. Their response now is to go, there's nothing to see here. End-to-end encryption means no one's going to be able to see what goes on. Law enforcement need access to be able to find these kids. So this is basically putting a veil or an iron curtain down on millions of investigations. Well, also, I mean, WhatsApp has been encrypted and which made it the communication portal of choice for terrorists. It's the communication portal of choice for abusers. Yeah, of course. So how are the American government, British government, how are all these governments allowing this to happen? Or is the war on terror over as well? No, because we don't have, we don't know how to legalise and legislate against social media companies. They're telling us what to do. Well, I suppose no one knows how to get them to pay tax. So how on earth are they going to... It seems so funny that we're having these discussions because it seems so logical and obvious. But this is the situation that we're at. I think the ethos was that the internet was going to be a place of freedom and, you know, government government intervention was going to be limited and minimised because, you know, governments can't be trusted and it's going to be this brave new halcyon world where, you know, the best bits of humanity race to the forefront. But but I always say, you know, our, we dreamed that it was going to democratise the world, remember? We were like, oh, God, this is it. Everyone's going to have a voice. Everyone's going to be equal finally. Have access to information. And here we are in 2023. Still half the world doesn't have internet access. Mm. It's still actually, it's just made the richer half of the world richer. The impoverished part of the world is impoverished. We're still going back into wars and famine and pestilence. And, and corporations are as lawless or more so than they've ever been. 
And now we've created this, uh, you know, communication system whereby predators and arms dealers and drug dealers and everybody else can just uh, can do communicate your, with your impunity. Deal. So it just means that um, the FBI, like whatever law enforcement, they cannot get um, access to those communications from the different companies, doesn't it? Yeah, unless Facebook report them or report them themselves. Who does it get reported to? Great question. Um, a lot of the times it's, like I said, like, you know, cops can can barely keep up with it. So there's um, trusted non-government organisations that triage the material. Like what NGOs? The National Centre for Missing and Exploited Children. They deal with like the vast amount of reports and they're like a, a global clearinghouse for reports. There's a whole system of online hotlines as well where us as a community can report. But once again, it's it drips and drips of water compared to, you know, what's what's out there. I mean, we need to have reporting mechanisms built into internet browser dashboards, you know, like there's so many things that we could be doing. You've got to understand that your kids have two lives, the life that you see mm-hmm. and a digital life. Be mm. involved in your kids' digital yeah. life. And that's what we have to learn is that sitting next to them isn't supervising them when they're online. I've seen a six-year-old girl being groomed on an iPad while her mum is ironing in the background and that groomer Mm. had her in the bathroom naked within 10 minutes. I've I've seen a child in absolute hysterics begging for the abuse to stop begging for the abuse to stop while mum's knocking on the bathroom door and she's talking to her predator, just going, I can't do this anymore, you know, and the kid's broken. Oh, my God. And mum's saying dinner's ready. Cynically speaking, (laughs) this is an opportunity. Like, I don't think social media companies actually realise that this is an opportunity for them to actually make money by developing things to keep Mm. our kids safe. If they had any kind of foresight, but for them, a lot of the times, you know, like child safety is just a red annotation in the balance sheet and our children are collateral damage in, in the property. And they donate, the social media companies and governments donate to like the Centre for Missing Exploited Children or whatever. So I guess it's a look good thing for them. Yep. Here's Here's an amazing one. Microsoft invented photo DNA. It's one of the game-changing tools that has rescued, oh, I couldn't even put a figure on it, hundreds of thousands of children. They also own Skype, which is one of the abuser's tools of choice for grooming children and also for live streaming abuse. And you, you can't find the IP address of the user. It's just a simple it's just as simple as just flicking a switch on Skype to make this happen. How do you cope with this? As you've been working in this area for how long now? Eight years. And and you're working with people who've been working in this area for decades. And I don't know, have you looked at any of this abuse material yourself in the course of your investigation? Yeah, look, I mean, I I'd seen probably the worst of the worst before I'd come contacted Argos. I mean, it's in the podcast. Like I I saw a board and when I reached out to John because I couldn't believe the scale, 
had 45,000 members on it and I couldn't believe the scale of it. That's small, in by the way, in comparison these days. But there are police who will see things like you know and leave the force and never be able to work again. I mean, yeah, I mean, what we, what we, yeah, what we realise. I mean, I, I didn't always look like Indian Santa. You know what I mean? Like I had a nice <laughs> black beard and I had a seizure and yeah. went white literally yeah. in a couple of months. But my black's growing back out into it <laughs> because I do stuff to to heal myself. Transcendental meditation uh, uh, is is something that we've that we're looking into now to um, introduce to the cops as well. There's been a lot of research done into uh, that with like returned veterans from wars. I've been practicing that for three years, and it was a game changer for me. It really helped me process my trauma. But I was having night terrors. I was talking in my sleep. I'd wake up covered in blood because I'm scratching myself. It was horrific. But it's a straw that broke the camel's back. I'd seen a lot of other stuff in in my past. So, yeah, it was a straw that broke the camel's back. And I think that's a a lot of the times with police as well. When you're a cop, you're just not in the business of good news, right? You might have to report that your car accidents or a relative or a family of friends died or something like that. So cops do get to see a lot. And you ask the cops why they do it. And while they keep coming back day in and day out, I remember after spending a day at Argos, I was I was folded like a deck chair. I was absolutely exhausted. And John has to walk me out of the building. <laughs> I don't have a security pass. So I'm in the elevator and I'm I'm literally holding my knees like I've just done a half footy, you know. And I'm just I looked up at John and I was like, man, how do you do this? Day in and day out year after year, decade after decade. And he looked down at me and said, I do it for the children in the pictures. If you could save one kid, it's all worth it. You know, I, I guess my mission is to say, like, I've done this and we all can do X or Y or whatever. And when you listen to the podcast or watch the documentary and the last episode ends, then that's where we all need to begin. We all need to start. And the result, I think the best result or the greatest result is to see your child like my child at 23 who's a beautiful, healthy woman in a great relationship and she made it through. A big thanks to our guest, Akim Dev. There's information on the documentary and podcast The Children in the Pictures in our show notes. If you've been affected by the content discussed in this episode, contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or 13 Yarn on 13 92 76, which is a 24-7 crisis support phone line for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. There's also the Blue Knot Foundation, which supports adult survivors of childhood trauma and abuse, parents, partners family and friends, as well as the professionals who work with them. You can call the Blue Knot Helpline on 1300 657 380. To report information to police, contact Crime Stoppers on 1800 333 000 or Task Force Argos State Crime Command on 33 64 4142. There's other resources in the show notes, so be sure to check them out. 
And as always, thanks for listening and we'll be back next week. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Australian True Crime, the nation's leading independent true crime podcast, is hitting the road with our live show. We're coming to Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane this July, and tickets will be available starting May 10th at 9.30 a.m. sharp. They sold out in two hours last time, so do not dilly-dally. We know the suburbs of Australia are teeming with some of the most intriguing and chilling true crime stories the world has ever heard. Don't miss the chance to dive deeper and get involved with a live Q&A. With over a million and a half downloads monthly, these tickets will sell out. So keep an eye on our social media pages and check the podcast bio for direct links to purchase yours as soon as they're released on Friday, May 10. I can't wait to see you there.